This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in Friday, May 19th here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew, Why Do You Hate Me Betts. Kyle, come on, you know that's not the truth. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing right now because I wish people could have seen it, man. The intro, Kyle just did this sick little spin in his chair, pulled the mic right up to his mouth and just came in hot. So that was, I just turned down the volume, Kyle, in my headphones right now. That's how excited you are to be here today to talk about, I, I don't know if this is accurate, but it feels like to me, this is one of your favorite topics in the NFL to talk about. It's a spectacular, folks. This is a NFL win total spectacular in the past. Bets and I would do what any normal podcast would do. Let's talk about the AFC this week. Let's talk about the NFC next week. Instead, we made the poor, poor decision to fit it all in one episode so that degenerate people out there that need to get in their bets in May for a game that doesn't start, a season doesn't start till September, could get it all in one episode. And that's that's really what football is all about. What do you think in May that might change over the next three or four months? that you can put your hard-earned money on and potentially make more money. That's the goal, right? If tying up money for eight months on the NFL is wrong, Kyle, I don't want to be right, okay? Win totals are where it's at. This is historically one of our best episodes every year, so no pressure, Kyle. Um, And, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in season from a DFS perspective, you know, there's game theory, there's you know, roster percentages, you got to talk about all this stuff. That's all kind of nerdy spreadsheet stuff, Kyle. This is, we're buckling the chin strap today, buddy. Do you know football or not? Okay, X's and O's <laughs> between the lines. <laughs> That's what we're here to talk about. I research so much on defense for this show, Kyle, which is something I never do for our DFS episodes in season. So it'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited to break it down today. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I got a lot of spreadsheets to to give to the people. A lot of them that talk about rest, like we're going to talk about naps and teams that get to sleep a little bit longer and how that actually does affect the NFL schedule, how you look at things. So we're going to walk through all 32 teams, give you our strongest convictions. Now, 
you don't need to bet on every single team unless you really want to. So we'll go through those. We're doing a giveaway right now. If you like free stuff, we're giving away a Justin Jefferson signed jersey. You know he's one of the official boys of the DFS Embedding Podcast. Offensive player of the year. No big. We'll be talking about that until we die, that we hit that bet correctly. At FootClanGiveaway.com. So FootClanGiveaway.com if you want to get in on a free Justin Jefferson jersey. We're giving that out right now. You can go. There's lots of different ways to enter. Betts and I are, are going to town working through the Ultimate Draft Kit, Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. And we mentioned last week, and I'll say it again, there's some major upgrades this year to the DFS Pass. Our best ball rankings and best ball primer will be in there starting June 1st. You'll get a lay of the land of every single team. But also, we teased it last week, and I'm going to keep mentioning it. As we talk about these teams, Like we're going to get to use players from these teams in our brand new optimizer in the DFS Pass and bets, how much did we increase the price this year for getting a brand new optimizer and adding more things? Let me just crunch the numbers real quick. Okay. Yep. Minus add. Okay. Zero dollars and zero cents. Same as last year. This this is a poor, poor thing. Like this is our bit. Bets and I's bit. If you if you've been listening for a while, is to trash our own company for the business decisions that Andy, Mike, and Jason make for not increasing the prices. And I think it works. I think people understand where we're coming from because we're giving more and more away, but it's not costing you more. And honestly, they're really good at the business part. I'm glad that you and I are not in charge of the business side. Oh, of this football. business would be just burned to the ground, Kyle, if we were in charge of anything. A lot of times, Betts and I will come up with ideas and Andy will kind of talk us down and be like, that's a good idea. Uh, but I don't know if you can give your time to that the way that you want to. So you can get all of our stuff, ultimatedraftkit.com. You and I have been in the best ball streets, have been giving out stuff here and there, you know, some articles, I've been posting stuff. People are mad when the 12-person uh, leagues get filled up really fast, but I'll keep posting those for people. You and I have been getting through a lot of drafts. The puppy already filled, and our rankings are taking shape. Last night, all right, I spent some time moving people around, seeing where I'm higher than consensus on certain players, and where I'm lower, last week I talked about TJ Hawkinson, and boy, did I bury TJ Hawkinson in my rankings. I can't fathom him being on any of my teams this year. But name a player you will be higher on in your best ball rankings than the ADP when those rankings come out June 1st, bets. Yeah, so what's interesting about the player that I put down on the dock today, and this is why best ball and, and fantasy is so fun that each year is so different. Last year, this is a player that was going in round four. And I thought to myself, does this guy really have what we're looking for in a best ball format? Do they have those spike weeks in the range of outcomes? Playing with the rookie quarterback, we just haven't seen that sort of ceiling from this player. But now he's buried in ADP. And I'm talking about Deontay Johnson, who's coming off the board at wide receiver 39. He's going as a wide receiver four in fantasy, despite the fact that he is the most positive regression candidate in all of football. His uh, target numbers over the last three years, 144. 169, 147. And the numbers, as far as efficiency, say he's good at earning targets. 24%, 25.5%, targets per route run numbers are good. Last year's 147 targets without a touchdown was an NFL record. That was insane. So he is going to bounce back from the touchdown department. Kenny Pickett will not have a 1.8% touchdown rate that he did as a rookie. That's going to come up. And I just looked at the numbers last year as far as where he finished and, you know, if we threw a handful of touchdowns his, his way, I'm not even going to give him what he had in his three uh, three years previously, which was five, seven, and eight. If we just give him four, he finishes as the wide receiver 25. You might say to yourself, okay, bets, who cares? But 
for a player that can beat their ADP by 15 plus spots, which I do think Deontay Johnson can do, he's a screaming value right now. So I'm going to have him as easily as a top, you know, 36 wide receiver when the rankings come out. Um, I've been drafting him a ton just because he's always there in round seven, sometimes round eight. That is insane value for a player we know is good. We'll give you usable weeks and he's going to catch more touchdowns than he did last year. That is a guarantee. Yeah, I think it's the prototypical, oh, well, he's not a great best ball player because he didn't give you the spike weeks, but at a certain point, any single wide receiver can be valuable if they're going this slow. Last year, Deontay Johnson was on our bus list, and Jason was like pounding the table like, hey, I, I'm not a fan this year. It's a rookie quarterback. I think things will improve, and we'll talk about their schedule in a second. It looks really good. It's the eighth easiest in terms of strength of schedule and how we define it. They have 12 games that are currently a spread within a field goal. And their win total is only 8.5 with the over at minus 130. So the Steelers are a team that I like a lot this year. And I'm just going to stay in that vein. I think Najee Harris is going to be a player that I'm higher on the consensus. We talked about it on the Dynasty podcast. If you want to hear that whole case of why we like Najee, uh, why he's kind of being undervalued. He's going as RB14 right now on underdog. I have him as my RB11. They may not sound like a big difference, but in ADP right now, I have him as my 27th overall player. He's going as almost the at spot 40 on underdog. So that's a almost a full round that I would say I would rather have Najee than some of those other running backs and some of those wide receivers. So Najee will be on a lot of my teams. And I don't mind. Like Kenny Pickett's a, another cheap player. He runs a little bit more than you think. Like he can be a he can be a Daniel Jones this year where you get a couple of spike weeks, some surprising rushing totals, maybe not to what Daniel Jones did last year, but remember early on, Daniel Jones, the rookie, had a couple massive spike games where you know he ran for two touchdowns, threw for two. I think Kenny Pickett and the entire Steelers offense can be better, and you might say, well, of course they can be better. How bad were they last year? But there's a route where just the team is horizontally the same, and I think you and I would say this is a team we're buying in, right? For sure. And and yeah, that's the thing is things change so quickly in the NFL from one year to the next. Kenny Pickett's going to be a better quarterback in year two, almost certainly. You know, we, we think about Trevor Lawrence and his rookie season, different circumstances. The coaching situation was abysmal, but he, he posted a 2% touchdown rate. Like rookies just don't give us the production that we look for. But in year two and year three, they do take a step forward. And we know a lot of data shows these rookie quarterbacks struggled to produce top tier fantasy options at the skill position players which is why last year we were lower on these guys. This year, we're much higher. So you can get all of our best ball ranks in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. But if you're here, you're here to party. Good vibrations. Great drop. Nothing to do with our show today. <laughs> not, not, not at all. You know... Uh, it really doesn't. I, I was trying to think of something that I could connect the dots there. I got nothing for you, Kyle. Yeah, we, we use that graphic sometimes, but this is my chance. If I get to be the captain of the ship, I'm the captain now, then I will just use whatever drop I want to use. And we're doing a win total spectacular. That's what I'm calling it because I needed something shiny to be able to say in our title. But also, we're going through all of these teams, all 32 teams. And let's explain the process. So we're going to go division by division. And talk about the teams that are most valuable. So this will be a really good episode to come back to in a couple of months if you just want to say, hey, why did we arrive? Because this market, it's not going to change a ton. Like, you know, there'll be some teams that kind of get hammered if injury news or something else happens. But like these totals opened up a certain way in March. Now we're in May. 
they're pretty much from here on out going to stick within a half win. So how do we approach this bets differently than just saying, hey, what was the record last year? Oh, they'll probably be better. So how do we do this? Yeah, it, it's. I was think, kind of thinking about that before we started recording. Like, It is a very, I think, nuanced process to get to a situation where you feel really good about it and can have good results year after year. But also, it's, it's sort of simple. I mean, you kind of think about, I use this term all the time, a team's ecosystem the previous season, how do they perform? You know, coaching changes are, are guys coming in that are upgrades. For example, the Jaguars last year with the Urban Meyer situation two years ago, or are guys leaving that you're a little worried about? Uh, strength of schedule matters a ton. Uh, I'll give us some nuggets on that here in a second. Injuries. How injury effective was this team the year before? That's part of the, the reason we were on the Ravens last year is they were the most affected team by injuries the year prior. Uh, just so you know, Kyle, a little nugget for you. The Denver Broncos most affected team by injury last year. Um, so there's all those sort of factors that tie into what you're looking at, but it is one of those uh, you know situations that you do need to use some data. You need to use some reasoning to get to where you're going. But I think it's one of the easier markets to beat because like you said, this market doesn't change super quickly over the course of a couple of weeks. It kind of stays stagnant for a while. So if, if you get little bits of information, if there's a major injury at play, something happens with the coaching staff, you know, whatever it is over the next couple of months, you can also move off your position and still kind of recoup some of your losses. So I think it's one that if you're really uh, stringent about how you're going about it, you can be very successful. Yeah, this is a market, though, that I don't think emotions need to be the first thing that comes. Oh, this feels like a 10-win team. You know, or, oh, they'll totally hit the over. I mean, I see that in my mentions all the time. You get to take a bunch of different pieces of information, and we do that a lot. Like you and I look at the coaching changes. We talk about injuries. I like going through the schedule and walking through like, okay, does this team have a first place schedule? Who are the three games that they added to it? Uh, what are their rest days? Like, how do we add that in? Are they a screaming candidate for regression? Like all of those things need to be added in. And then we'll talk about it in a second. We already have the spreads. Isn't that crazy? Like we have the spreads for all 17 games for every single team. They will change obviously, but right now you can look and see that the Cardinals are in week 17 are 10-point dogs, okay? Actually, if you just look at the Cardinals, you'll see that they're a dog every single game, which is pretty wild to say that they're not favored in any games. They're projected for four and a half wins, okay? So Vegas totals and the lines, remember, that's not the only thing we look at, but you look at there and you go, wow, they're projected for no wins based on Vegas, uh, based on their lines. Then we factor in, you know, so many things, variance, and the fact that teams that you don't think could win a game can win a game. I, I always bring up, you know, there, there's wild outcomes that can happen. Uh, the Colts beating the Chiefs last year with Matt Ryan. That happened. Matt Ryan, who's, you know, just chilling, taking a year off. I like that for him, you know. Just a year? That's what he said. He said he's not closing the door yet, and I respect okay. that. All right, fine. Uh, what's so funny is Houston, my son, he, you know, he's he's in first grade learning how to read. He's writing. He's got a journal. And the other day he was asking me, dad, how do I spell favorite? And so we worked on, you know, spelling the word favorite. And so I looked in his journal and he was spelling it out. And he said, my favorite player is Matt Ryan. That's what he wrote down. And I was like, oh, it's so cute. Did I didn't tell him that he's, that he's not <laughs> in the league right now. Uh, oh no, you crushed him, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mention it, but it is nice. I mean, for Matt Ryan and all the jokes from last year, he's the greatest franchise quarterback in Falcons history. Like he was a really good NFL quarterback. Great different conversation, but I think he was really good. Obviously had an MVP season. Anyway, 
All that to say, Bets, let's talk about strength of schedule because that is a term that people throw around a ton. And some people simply look at the numbers from last year and say, well, let's add up all the wins and losses of who of who they play this year and what they did. And, oh, this team is the easy schedule. Where, you know, there are certain teams that just hit the bad side of variance last year with injuries, with other things that that's just going to blow that out of the water. So what do you use for strength of schedule? And why is Warren Sharp just way too smart? Yeah, that guy puts in an an unreal amount of work into analyzing the NFL schedule for the first couple of weeks when it comes out. But yeah, I use the Vegas forecasted win totals that look at strength of schedule. And specifically speaking to Warren Sharp's data, just last year he found that you know 10 teams predicted to have the hardest schedule. Only two of them went to the playoffs. So it matters. Of the seven teams that were projected to have losing records, but also very easy schedules, Five of them went over their win total. You know, nine teams supposed to have uh, winning records, but also easier than average. Six went to the playoffs. So, like, more often than not, how you view a team matches the schedule. And, of course, anything can change, you know, in a week. Pat Mahomes could get injured, and this is all out the window. But when you're looking at this, strength of schedule matters. I hear people on other shows or on Twitter or whatever say, like, oh, strength of schedule doesn't matter. Clearly, it matters. It's part of our process. We've had a lot of success. Kyle uses it in his schedule adjusted projections, which I use as my process. So I think if you're not using the strength of schedule to your advantage, specifically the outliers, the ones that are super easy and the ones that are super hard, um, I think you're missing part of the equation here. You remember the Giants last year? We had a a question that was like, who is somebody that was picking in the top 10 last year that could win their division or make the playoffs? And we we were like, okay, well, let's go through the scenarios. The Jaguars were terrible were terrible in Trevor Lawrence's rookie year. They picked at number one over and they won their division. The Giants were a team that I was like, I like their schedule. Is it bad that I like the Giants? I felt wrong for doing it. And I put a long shot bet on them to win the division. Now, obviously, the Eagles won. It was crazy. But the Giants were way better than what people thought. But if you didn't look at their schedule, you just would have said, oh, this is Daniel Jones. Oh, it's a new coach. They have no re- receivers. But their schedule dictated they were better than their win total. So that's all we really care about. We're not saying this team's awesome. We care about the win total that is given in sports books, and is that an inefficient number, and what are some ways we can take advantage of it? So uh, what about rest? I think that's another added factor in this. It's not the only factor, but when you look at somebody's schedule, and then you add in, okay, what are the days in between? It really does matter. So what's some of the data about net rest advantages? Yeah, so that's basically just looking at, you know, uh, a team playing on like a Thursday, playing against a team that just played on Sunday, you're getting extra rest in that. Obviously, teams coming off of a bye, that sort of thing. But basically, when you're looking at nest rest, ad- net rest advantages, excuse me, there is a lot of predictive data in terms of how teams perform against the spread. And when you're adding in that sort of factor, where let's say it's three and a half is the spread or something like that, there's much more variance. And the team that has more rest generally performs a lot better, not only in one week of the NFL season, but as it accumulates across the entire weeks one through 18. So there's a couple teams at the top this year that have uh, an insane net rest advantage, the Jets, the Bears, Washington. There's teams that got kind of, (laughs) they got the short end of the stick here, Kyle, with the rest advantage, you know, San Francisco, the Rams, the Chiefs. Um, But last year, to put some numbers to it, the two teams with the best uh, net rest advantages, the Bills and Lions, they went over their win total. The teams that had uh, negative 10 or worse, which is basically just terrible net rest advantage, 
Uh, the Packers, the Patriots, and the Texans, all three of them fell below their win total. So again, it's not the only factor, but it is a factor. And so we kind of combine strength of schedule, these rest advantages, plus how's the team performing to give us kind of our, our outlook here. I hate that the Falcons are in bottom five in this list for two years in a row. We have the science. We have the people that can do this, but apparently the Falcons, I mean, we're already behind the eight ball in so many ways. Like why give us less rest? I, anyway, I hate it. I hate it so much. We're going to walk through these teams and we're not going to spend a ton of time on every single team. We're going to give more, you know, credence to the ones that are the good discussion points and the teams that we think, Oh, you can bet this, but bets feel free to jump in if I'm giving a take and you just disagree. Cause I think sometimes think people think on this podcast, Oh, Borg and bets. They just copy and paste what each other says. Like, I want to disagree with you on some of these things. Okay. And I'm happy I, to do that. I'm, <laughs> I might also say this. That's just a dang good line. I think that's an okay thing to say, right? Yeah. And, and truthfully, I mean, we're going to talk about all 32 teams. I'll probably bet like seven of these, you know, like I'm not trying to go out here and bet every single one. You got to try to identify where the edge is and then pick your spots. That's really how I think you do it. Yeah. We already have three that you and I felt a ton of conviction on. And we put those out early. We had an early win totals article. So, you know, there's ones that have moved a little bit. I'm not saying we moved the lines, but I'm also not, not saying know, I'm not. Uh, so it's okay to be able to look at a line and go, Ooh, that looks right. Like I had someone the other day ask about the Falcons, which moved from seven and a half to eight and a half. I was like, honestly, like, I don't know anymore. Like I, I, I liked the over. I feel like eight's a good line. So I, it's okay for me to just abstain and say, Hey, I don't want to bet this. So, We'll start with the AFC East, which is a really good division, and all four teams have a crazy hard schedule. Like, when you look at the, the strength of schedule, Patriots, 32nd, Dolphins, 30th, Bills, 29th, Jets, 26th. Like, this is a tough, tough division. Let me go through the win totals. Buffalo sits at 10.5, Jets at 9.5, the Dolphins at 9.5, and, and the Patriots, 7.5. The Bills are going to be a front runner for a lot of people. They're favored in 14 of their games, which is pretty wild. When I see a win total that's 11, approaching 11, I start to get a little nervous because you're laying a lot of wins and you're saying a lot of things have to go right. Okay, so Josh Allen can't get hurt. Uh, there can't be major, you know, major issues. Stephon Diggs can't get hurt. Like those are the things that you might not think about. You're like, oh, that's an 11 win team. Like you have to factor that in. Any strong takes on the Bills? Yeah, I'm with you on these ones that are 10.5, 11.5. Unless I see some sort of inefficiency, almost always for me, they're stayaways. Because again, like you said, you're trying to get a lot of things right. And it's so much easier to pick off unders in this market than it is overs, specifically for those teams that are at 9.5, 10.5, 11. So I think it's a good line. I stay away. I certainly am not going to bet against Josh Allen and a good coaching staff. That's for sure. They're also, you know, one of the better defenses in the league too. So I think it's a good line, despite the the difficult strength of schedule, despite the fact that uh, they are playing in a gauntlet of a division. To me, it's a good line. This is a no bet for me. Yeah, I I lean the over in my schedule adjusted wins and and Sharp does as well, which it feels kind of cool to be able to say like, oh, my, well, my projections and, and Warren's projections clearly line up here. No, <laughs> yeah, so I lean the over and it's at minus one forty right now. There's two teams with nine and a half wins, though. And I think that's the part of this division puzzle that is really hard to figure out. All right, the Jets at nine and a half. The Dolphins at nine and a half. The Jets have a fourth place schedule because they had Zach Wilson and 
you know, Chris Strebler and Joe Flacco and whatever else they were doing last year, Mike White. So that, that fourth place schedule gives them games at home against Houston, against Atlanta, and at Cleveland. So that's a that's a great thing. This team has not made the playoffs since 2011, Bets. That was before I was married. So it's been a while. And yet they're currently minus 150 to make the playoffs. So why are the Jets kind of steamed up? I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers going there, but like they seem like a pretty clear team to hit the over. Yeah, and this was a team that was, you know, I think relative to a lot of people's expectations last year, pretty good. I mean, you consider the fact that they do have a ton of key pieces on defense. They've got a lot of good playmakers at their disposal, and that was all with Zach Wilson and Mike White, which we just talked about on the Dynasty podcast. Like, the efficiency numbers for those guys were among the worst in football, obviously. You drop in Aaron Rodgers, where not much has changed. I think the one weakness is maybe the offensive line for this team, but all things considered, with how they performed last year, they've got a pretty smart coaching staff. You know, they do have the best uh, net rest advantage in the entire NFL. That is a big factor for this team. And truthfully, I think the NFL wants to see Aaron Rodgers succeed. I think that is a real thing here. So I do agree that things are lining up nicely for an over to hit here. That's the play for me, but it is getting juicy. You know, minus one, 130 is a completely different conversation than minus 110 or something like that. So I wouldn't lay anything more than that out there. If you can find a better number, obviously go get it. But I do think over is probably the right play. Yeah, the Jets don't play a single AFC East game with a rest disadvantage. So next week, you and I will talk about division and some of those. So I don't mind, you know, if you want to get the Jets, whatever it is right now, it's like plus 150 or plus. Like, I think I think you can look in that market if you want to. But the Jets are a team that we would certainly say benefits a lot from how they're set up with the fourth place schedule and the rest. The Dolphins at nine and a half, I think is just a good line. Like I, I'm not really messing around with that too much. Uh, their strength of schedule is 30th. I think that that's just a good line. I, I could see this team getting nine wins. I could see them getting 10 wins. And that's enough for me just to say it's a stay away. Is that, is that where you're at? Yeah, I think if you want to buy into the Dolphins and you kind of want to buy into, you know, two of bounces back, they've got these incredible playmakers, they improve their defense, they've got a better defensive coordinator, you know, all those things come into play. I would just play them in a different market. The nine and a half just feels like too close to their median. So if you want to play it as um, Tua for MVP or, you know, they win the division or uh, Mike McDaniel for coach of the year, something along those lines, we're getting way better odds. I just more look in that market instead of their win total. All right. And the last team is the Patriots, which was one of our strongest convictions of the year. Their win totals at seven and a half. We took the under at plus 100. And let me just check. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's at minus 130. So did you move the lines, bets? I don't know if it was me or all the people on Twitter, but I put this one out. Uh, the other week right after we recorded a couple episodes ago and we kind of gave it out as like we're th- we're thinking this is the right spot to be on we'll see if it moves and a lot of this comes back to the offense environment I know last year it was abysmal with what they had with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia it is going to get better with Bill O'Brien I will say that but Mac Jones is not a top 20 top 25 24 <laughs> type of quarterback he needs a lot of things to go right and when you look at this depth chart they do have a good offensive line they do have a good running game they've got Ramondre Stevenson, but this three wide receiver starting set is going to be Juju, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton. Like you need weapons to win in the NFL. You can't just win with defense. And a lot of people, when I put this out, kept saying, well, bets they had such an incredible defense. Like, did you not see their defensive metrics and all these things? Yeah, but they're also very skewed. Like the wins that the Patriots had last year, 
in eight games, these are the quarterbacks they faced. Zach Wilson twice, Mitch Trubisky, a combination of Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, Jacoby Brissett, Colt McCoy, Sam Ellinger, Jared Goff with offensive lineman out, and Amon Ross St. Brown was injured in that game. When they played against good to competent quarterbacks, they were destroyed, giving up 29 points per game and 5.6 yards per play. They were crushed against the guy, against guys like Lamar, Rodgers, Josh Allen twice, Derek Carr, Cousins, Joe Burrow, Tua. Like when they played good quarterbacks, this defense really was not what you think they are. So to me, under is the most obvious play, especially when you factor in they have the hardest strength of schedule in the NFL this year, and I don't think they have enough to get get over the hump here. So under, to me, even at minus 130, is certainly a play. Yeah, their third-place games, at home against the Colts, at home against the Saints, and on the road against the Steelers, that might not sound like too too tough, but those are teams that I would say I like better than the market, um, and I like the Saints to make the playoffs. And then, yeah, you just look at the divisional opponents – the road opponents at home, they play the Chiefs and the Chargers, like I and the Eagles. Like, this is a really tough schedule. And that's another thing just to factor in. It's not just what play schedule, it's not just, you know, their strength of schedule. It's literally looking at who are the divisions that they are matched up with. And this year, it is really tough. Like, it's the AFC West, it's the NFC East. So I lean definitely under. It's one of the stronger plays we've had of the year. And if you want to get in on, I mean, it's still seven and a half. I, I could see this move if, if you want to. I could see the bottom file and this be a team with four wins and they just clean house at quarterback and, and move on. So I definitely like that direction. We're going to take a quick break and then go through the rest of the divisions. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Before history is written, Played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're back with the AFC North. It's a tough division, and people don't realize this because it's like, oh, it's the Bengals. Last year, every single team in this division went 3-3. Three and three. Like, in their division, that's what they did. So, it's a lot closer than people think. These are usually gross games, gross weather games a lot of the time, and it's a little bit closer. So, next week, we'll talk about the division, but the Bengals are at 11.5, the Ravens at 9.5, the Browns at 9.5, and, and the Steelers at 8.5. So, this is, a, this is a good division. This is a good division for win total discussion. The Bengals is at a point where I'm going to lay lay off that. I think they're a good team. 
There's no chance for me betting the over of a team that sits at 11.5. I just won't do it. They're favored in 15 of their games. That's incredible. But I just, I worry looking at a total that high. My schedule adjusted wins have them at 10.8. So if I had to lean somewhere, it'd be the under. Uh, but that's just my take. I want to ask you about the Ravens. They were our team last year, <laughs> and we got there, right? We got over our win total, but it was gross. Like, it I mean, was real Pro gross. Tyler Huntley took us home, man. And Anthony Brown started a game. <laughs> I mean, it, like, that team somehow won 10 games, and if Lamar was there, if, you know, the team was healthy, they didn't have the worst, like, injury luck, like, I think that was maybe 11 or 12 win team. This year, they're at 9.5. The overs minus 150. There are books out there. Caesar Sportsbook has them at 9.5 wins. So if you can get that, the juice is minus 165. So it's a little different. But the Ravens are a team that you and I are just going to be very high on this year. Yeah, I want to be high on the Ravens. I love the offensive coordinator change. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is back. He's got the best group of weapons he's had since he's been a professional. Um, There's a lot to like about the Ravens. But... Minus 150 is a lot of juice to lay, and, and I don't want to do that. So I like looking in alternative markets similar to what I was talking about with the Dolphins. I think Lamar to MVP is certainly in play. I think you can bet them to win the division. Last time I saw it was at like plus 280 or, or around plus 275, depending on the book. I think that's more in play than than the win total. Because what you're saying you know, in these scenarios is, sure, the Bengals might hit their under and the Ravens might hit their over, but it's going to be very thin as far as that's concerned. And when you're laying minus 150, that certainly is bad process in terms of how thin the edge is. So I like the Ravens. I'm not going to bet their win total. I certainly will be looking to them in the futures market, though. There's second place games. Miami at home, Detroit at home, at the Chargers. It's it's not easy. It's not just like when Lamar signed, we immediately were like, okay, well, then this team's just going to kill it. We like what they did. I, I mean, I'm excited with Todd Monken. And I would say... This is a team that I just want to jump on board in a couple of different areas. So we'll talk about them more as we progress. The Browns are interesting. All right. They're at nine and a half. They're still kind of like, what are they with Deshaun Watson? But they do have a fourth place schedule games at home against the Jets, Bears, and on the road against the Broncos. So those opponents are intriguing. It's not just gimme games. What are you doing with the rest of this division? Like, are I feel like the Steelers is kind of the only one I'm really like in on. I wonder if, if the Browns have these same skill position players that I want. The Steelers are a team at eight and a half that I feel more comfortable giving it over. Yeah, for sure. I think this line for the Browns, you know, at nine and a half is certainly almost guaranteeing that Deshaun Watson returns to being Deshaun Watson. Because if it wasn't that, if we if, if they were going to make this line based off what they saw on the field last year, they'd put it at eight and a half or something like that. So that feels risky. I do think Deshaun Watson can bounce back. Obviously, last year was atrocious, but it's a good line, and I think it's it's pretty efficient. So I'm a little worried about that one. As far as the Steelers, we talked about it a little bit with our first segment of the show with Najee and, and Deontay just kind of wanting to buy into Kenny Pickett taking a step forward. You know, Mike Tomlin, it, ju- it just feels like this team rolls out of bed and all of a sudden they win eight wins no matter what every year. So I feel like they can get to their over. I just wish it wasn't minus 130. Like, I feel like minus 120, minus 110 is a play, but at minus 130, I'm a little worried to lay that. Uh, what are your thoughts with the juice there? Because I do think over is probably the right play. Yeah, I'm interested if the, if there's different markets for playoffs that you can look at for the Steelers or, and then for the Browns. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I can't fully go there. This is a division where I, I, 
I genuinely think this. I think any four of these teams could win the division. And I don't think I, I could say that. Say that. So I'm kind of holding off maybe my, my full conversation on these teams to give a range of outcomes next week when we talk about the divisions. But I'm just going to be higher on the Steelers in a couple of different markets this year in general. So one thing the real division- quick, Kyle, that you, you can do it. with the Steelers, they're at plus 130 for yes to make the playoffs. I'd much rather just bet that because if you're saying they hit their win total and they win nine or ten games, like they're in the mix for the wild card. So I'd rather just take minus 130, wouldn't you? Or yeah, sorry, no, plus 130. Yeah, I'm I'm totally in on that. Totally fine with that. Now, Kenny Pickett, you're doing a lot of projection there. <laughs> but, oh, that's for sure. <laughs> that's but for I sure. was with you when we talked about Kenny Pickett the other uh, last week on Dynasty podcast. Like I, there's enough there in value uh, to to go there. AFC South. I think this is, might be the most interesting division to bet. Like I think you could have a take on all four teams. And generally, I just say there's one or two for the division. So the Jaguars are interesting because I loved their under when it was at 10 and a half, but it's now at nine and a half. So uh, this team is, is volatile. The over right now at nine and a half is minus 135. I just think they're a better, better team to just say, Hey, they're the, I think they're the best team in this division. Just bet them to win the division, right? Yes. And that's exactly what I put here. It feels like a very square play, but also like I'm having a tough time seeing how it's not the case outside of, a major injury or something like that to Jacksonville. And really, to me, the only threat is the Titans. And that's not because of what the roster is, which is not good. It is because of Mike Vrabel, and they always have that team overperforming. But there's so much to like about Jacksonville. Not only is the schedule just, you know, it's good. It's it's uh, 12th in terms of strength of schedule. That's above average. The division is terrible. They're favored in 12 other games this year. They added offensive line talent. They bring in Calvin Ridley. And I'm not sure what he's going to be for best ball and fantasy, but He's probably an upgrade from whoever they had as their wide receiver three or four last year. They've got continuity. You know, Trevor Lawrence, second season in Doug Peterson's system. Last year, Lawrence was awesome. Seventh in completion percentage, overexpected, fourth in success rate, and he was top 10 in EPA per play. I just have a tough time seeing them not win the division outside of something crazy happening. So I've already laid it, minus 150 on, on DraftKings. I need to confess something. I, I, think, I think the Jaguars are like a team kind of like the lions for me last year the way you just can't take your blinders off i i can't and i'm saying it now because i think the uh assumption is that just they're just going to run away with the division and i think if you look back to the jaguars last year they were not a you know they were not a train in this division like they had issues they won't they lost against the texans like i don't think they're an automatic i think they are the best team but I just think it's not as automatic. So it's 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 my nature to hate them a little bit. And I will say too, like there there are three games that are kind of based off of where they finished in the division. Their first place schedule is brutal. They play the Chiefs and the Niners at home, and they played the Bills on the road. Yes, that is that's terrifying. So this is a team that I could see win nine games, but still win the division. So I just much rather play it that way, and and not really get into their win total. I agree. Like. It wouldn't shock me if the Jaguars went 500 in the AFC South. Like, let's say they lose on the road to the Titans. They drop one game at home because they're the Jaguars and they just historically stink sometimes. And then they lose another one on the road. Like, it's, it's not crazy to think for them to do that in this division, especially with, I would say, the Colts have to be better than last year. Like, looking at what they did and their, their point differential was, like, historically bad the way that they were beaten out. So 
that's just my opinion. It is interesting to look at how young this division is at quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. Hey, like hey, Tannehill might be here all year. You don't know. I'm just saying for the future. Like this okay. is going to be a this is going to be a fun uh, fun little division. I'm staying away from the Titans at seven and a half. They aren't favored in a single game leading up to the week seven bye. And then you have to ask yourself in week eight, is that Will Levis time? So if things go south, that's probably the plan. And if I had to go somewhere, it's under, which is why it's at minus 130. But I also know that Mike Vrabel is just a really good coach. So I think seven and a half is a good line. Yeah, I think it is a good line. My lean is under. Maybe you, if you do want to play it, maybe you play it for like a half unit or something like that just so you're not tied up too much. But it really is scary to bet against Mike Vrabel because they always overperform. But this team, I mean, the wide receiver depth chart, Kyle, is so bad. Like, Traylon Burks could be something, but also maybe not. And, like, they're they're Kyle Phillips of the world and, you know, Nick Westbrook, Akini. Like, you can't win with just riding Derrick Henry into the ground forever. They're going to try one more year. And our boy Chig, of course. They're going to try for one more year, but this offensive line is completely rebuilt. They have major issues in their secondary under is the right play, but it's it's so scary with Mike Rabel. The Colts, I need you to talk me out of this because I think this is a crazy take that I feel some conviction on. And sometimes when you get those, you're like, oh, I'm right. And other times, I just need to be talked out of it. The Colts are at six and a half. The over I like, and it's right now minus 135. So I, I, that's not an issue. What about the Colts to make the playoffs? It's plus 370 for them to make the playoffs. They have the third easiest schedule per Warren Sharp. They have 12 games currently projected within a field goal. So that's pretty crazy. Like, let's say they win half of those or, you know, fewer than that. Like, I think they can get to a certain point where eight, nine wins is on the table. Their third place games are at home against the Raiders, the Rams, and on the road against the Patriots. Like, it's a pretty easy. They play the NFC South. I just think there's routes for the Colts, and we're doing a lot of projection for Anthony Richardson. But there's routes for them to win rough and ugly. And the comp I give is rookie year Vince Young, where they made the playoffs. It wasn't pretty, but he kind of just willed them there based on his rushing numbers and not his completion numbers. I think I think your angle is correct. I'm worried about the Colts. Just because Anthony Richardson is such a projection, 13 college starts is is terrifying. And there are major flaws in his game as a passer. Now, like you said, could he get there? He makes incredible plays with his legs and, you know, the defense is better than we think. And, you know, all of a sudden they're at eight wins and they kind of sneak into the playoffs. Something crazy happens. Sure. It's possible. I think this is a team that either wins like four games or they win, you know, like I said, eight, nine, ten. They surprise a ton of people and sneak in. So they're to me, this is not a median range of outcomes sort of team. I'd rather just, if you are going to take a long shot on them, just bet them, like you said, plus 370 to make the playoffs or something like that. But it's not something I'll personally be doing. But I understand the logic of why you would do that instead of saying I'll lay minus 135 to go over 6.5. That, to me, is is not a good bet. Is is that like when someone says, like, hey, I'm thinking about committing arson. Like, I'm going to burn down a building because of the insurance money. I wouldn't do it, but I get it. I get it why people are doing it. Is <laughs> I that what you're saying? I understand where you're coming from, Kyle. That's the best part about arsonists is people, it's wrong. <laughs> don't do it, kids, you know? But, I did not think I'd, I'd hear you say that on a show <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah. arson is, I mean, let's, let's just, you know, you're in jail. What are you in for? Arson. I was just, I just couldn't help myself burn down a bunch of property and got, <laughs> tried to get the settlement. I tried to. I, I couldn't win with DFS and betting. But, so I had to do this instead. 
had to burn down the building. Yeah, so that's kind of where I lean with the Colts. I like their over. The win total, I think it's a good long. I like the market, okay? Plus 370, I think, is is solid. The Texans at 6.5. Caesars and BetMGM have them at 5.5. There's something inefficient about this team. And rookie quarterbacks, generally speaking, I'm going to bet against. We'll use the same statistic when we get to Bryce Young. But we know that every team that starts a top 10 drafted rookie quarterback in week one, and I'm assuming CJ Stroud is in week one, they failed to hit the over of the win total. And if it's been boosted up to six and a half, then I will gladly take the under. So, and by the way, that's since 2013. Those rookie quarterbacks have gone zero, six, and two. So they pushed twice on the win total. So I will bet against CJ Stroud. I like the under at six and a half. I don't understand the market movement. I mean, we talked about it after the NFL draft when we did our round one recap. Their moves have said, you know, we're in it for this year. That's fine. That's great. That doesn't mean you're going to win games. Like, this team still has major issues all over the board. We talked about the trend with rookie quarterbacks. We talked about the weapons for, you know, the Patriots being a major issue. There are serious issues in this wide receiver core. Like, Brandon Cooks, he had a falling out with the team. He's gone. They've got guys like Nico Collins, Robert Woods is 31 years old and really didn't do anything last year. John Mechie, we have no clue what he is. There's there's major issues here, so I don't understand it. Last year, this this team was dead last in offensive EPA per play. I don't get it, man. I don't know how C.J. Stroud turns it around unless he's just so much better than what we think he is, which certainly is possible, and I hope he is for you know for fantasy. But under is the play here. I feel pretty strong about that. It's tough because I love CJ Stroud, the player. I was very high in the pre-draft process, but this team, this team is void true, like offensive playmakers. Like Damian Pierce can have a nice little two, three-year run, but you're not thinking he's a franchise back. Like you're going to pay him a lot in second contract. A wide receiver, we just don't know. Dalton Schultz, I just don't know why you'd sign him to that. It's just wasting money. This, I, they're just. I think they're at least two or three pieces away from competing for another two or three years and they're already behind the eight ball trading away their first round pick so i'm with you let's go to the afc west which was the hot topic you know not the store not the one that you would go in but the hot topic last year um and everybody i mean there was betting stuff last year where you could bet on all four teams to make the playoffs which was just laughable to think that that would happen but you look at this division it's the chiefs at 11 and a half the Chargers at nine and a half, the Broncos at eight and a half, and the Raiders at seven and a half. I need to give something spicy because I do not mind taking the under of the Chiefs. I really don't. Is that too too hot? Too hot to handle? You won't find me doing it. I'm not going to bet against the best football player on the planet, the planet, and Andy Reid, who is you know incredibly uh, smart with play calling, and like. It happens every year, right? Like every year we're like, well, it's 11 and a half. It's too high. Everything says under and they keep winning games. So it's going to be a sweat. Like if they finish with 11, 11 wins and they still have a really good season. Yeah, you win the bet. But like, I don't want to be sweating this in week 17 or week 18. They play the AFC East in terms of divisional stuff and the NFC North. Their first place games at home against Cincinnati and the Eagles. So those are awesome games and then on the road against the Jaguars. But yes, you can't really bet against them and say that Patrick Holmes being favored in every game is wild to just say, okay, well, they're going to be favored. Ah. Okay, so what do you think about the rest thing? Because 
with them from weeks 12 to 17. So towards the end of the year, they play six straight games with less rest than their opponent. And studies have shown that rest at the end of the season is way more important than, you know, rest in week four or five, whatever. So that's scary. That, that to me, leans under. And right now, under is at plus 120, which I think is pretty good value. I mean, and there's nothing better than betting against Travis Kelsey, in my opinion. <laughs> in every form. Betting, <laughs> props. I need to go all Best in. Ball. What am I talking about? Yeah, I need to. <laughs> So yeah, I lean the under. That's, that's the math that, that, like I said, it makes sense. Like the, the schedule did not do them any favors. But if it was anyone not named Patrick Mahomes, I'd say, yeah, we probably should go under here. But I just can't bet against him. I, I understand it. Um, it's just not one that I'm going to play. I'll also use just another fact here. So 14 wins last year, but their win expectation was only 11.4. So I would argue they were a little lucky to get to 14. 14 is an insane number in today's NFL. And the fact that, that team was not covering the spread at all towards the end of the year. Like that was no. so I will take the under and be one of the few people that say, no, Chiefs. Um, maybe, maybe it'll catch up to them, their wide receiver core. Maybe the running back room is just not as good. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I I'm not just, <laughs> I'm not rooting for it, but I would say the numbers tell me I'll lean under. Yeah, so. makes sense. All right, rest of this division, Chargers. I'm going to abstain for personal reasons because I just love the Chargers so much. They end their season with 10 straight games with the spread that's within three points. That sounds like the Chargers, where whatever you expect, they're going to disappoint you, but they're probably going to end up around 9-10 wins. So stay away from me. Yeah, I think over is probably the right play just based off the fact that this team has so much going for them as far as their depth chart. You know, the offensive system with Joe Lombardi last year was just check down after check down. They added obvious speed in Quentin Johnson. They recognized it was an issue. They brought in Kellen Moore. That is going to change and really play, I think, to the strength of Justin Herbert. So similar to the other stuff I've been talking about, this market feels pretty efficient, but I'd be very interested in seeing what a Justin Herbert MVP ticket might look like or betting them to win the division. If you do want to lean into the under on the Chiefs, you know that correlates and makes a lot of sense. But nine and a half to me feels like a good line. And because your schedule adjusted wins are right there at 9.2, combining all those things together, for me, it's no play. Yeah, I think the rest of this division feels pretty like clear. Like they're the Broncos, I think the books did a good job. They could have just overreacted and said, oh, let's put them at six and a half, seven wins, whatever. They're at eight and a half. That's right in line with what I have them. They're favored in just 10 games. So Broncos are kind of a stay away from me. I think you can bet them to make the playoffs if you wanted to go that route. But the Raiders, FanDuel has them at 6.5. DraftKings has them at 7.5. That tells me there's some market to be able to take this team. And they do have an interesting schedule. Okay, so the Raiders, you know, were a third-place team last year. They play six games versus teams coming off Monday Night Football. That's a good thing. I think the vibes right now are not great with Devontae Adams kind of complaining. Jimmy G, who at any moment could just, not be playing football. And so I would say that seven and a half, like betting the under makes a lot of sense knowing there's another book, but the under is at minus 150. And I just, I can't really lay that. Yeah, I don't like the minus 150. I do like the idea of fading this team based off of, you know, Josh McDaniels just really has never gotten it done as a head coach in the NFL. And you throw in the fact, like you said, that there are some, 
negative quotes out there about how Devontae Adams views this team and how behind him, like, I think Jacoby Myers is a good wide receiver. I think Hunter Renfro is a good wide receiver. But as we see year after year after year, you either need an elite quarterback or multiple very, very, very good playmakers to help get you over the hump, which is why we're seeing, you know, teams like the Eagles and the Bengals and all, you know, the Niners, they have weapons everywhere, can get it done. Jimmy G, to me, just doesn't move the needle enough. So I think under is the right play, especially when you consider how the defense uh, has looked in the last couple of seasons. But I don't like laying that. So I actually don't mind trying to find if you can get alt-unders on certain books, just play it under 6.5. Or if you really want to go like under 5.5, whatever books offer that type of stuff, if you can get plus 150, plus 200 on something like that, that to me feels like a better play than trying to lay the minus 150. All right, so we just finished the AFC. And if you're at a point where you're like, okay, I need a quick break. I'm going to give it to us right here. That's the drop Mike gets to use for Chigaconquo. And I thought it was just the right time to throw it out there. Um, I almost used Pity City, but I thought Chig would, would, the people would like that. It's a little bit more. No better time than now, Kyle. If you're not buying into Chig, what are you doing? NFC East, you're biased here. Okay. I just want to say that. You are so biased. Your opinion matters nothing here. But I will say the Eagles, it's at 10.5. It's at a, uh, 10.5 on FanDuel, 11.5 on DraftKings. There's some inefficiencies here. It's 11 on BetMGM. So something's off here. And the Eagles have a good schedule. Like, like they have a fine schedule for a team that's first place. This team should roll. I don't mind on FanDuel at minus 158 if you wanted to lay that. I usually don't, but 10.5 I think is too low. I think 11.5's right. So if you wanted to hit the over there, I, I totally like it. We'll be talking about the more for future stuff. But any quick thoughts on uh, your Eagles? I mean, it was a team that I was kind of worried about coming off of last year just because we knew they'd have to pay Jalen Hurts. We knew that they were probably going to lose a couple of key pieces on defense, and somehow they brought them back. So I'm not, I'm not as worried as I was. Um, but like we said, with all these teams that are 10.5 or 11.5, it's scary to take the over. I do think t- over 10.5 is probably right, but I'm not in the business of laying minus 160 for stuff like this. So for me, I'm going to stay away. The Cowboys at nine and a half, the overs at minus 140. It's a good line. I would say that. I, I've, I've been going against the narrative. We talked about this on the Footballers Main Show on Thursday of this team's going to be so run heavy. They're just not going to throw the ball. Like they were really run heavy. It was the highest in Mark, Mike McCarthy's coaching career. So in order to run the ball, you got to be in positive game scripts, and they were in Dak starts. I just don't think that's going to happen the exact same way. You just copy and paste that. So I think there's more volatility to the Cowboys than we think, but their schedule, I mean, here's their second-place games. Detroit Lions at home. <laughs> Laughable, the Lions. I'm just kidding. Uh, then they play the Panthers on the road, which we were pretty down on the Panthers, and the Chargers. Who knows what you're going to get? They play... Uh, in division, they play AFC East. They play the NFC West. So I think the line is pretty good. I think you can look at other markets, like if you want to you find something else. But I think the Cowboys are right where they should be. Agreed. And the over at minus 140 just feels like it's too expensive, even though I, th- I think you can see a scenario where this team does win 10 games. So um, it's a good line. I agree, though. Maybe we'll look at the, the division stuff or the awards market, stuff like that for the the Cowboys, but nine and a half feels right. I do lean over though. 
I want to quickly talk about the Giants, a team that we liked more than the market last year. And they're at 8.5 on DraftKings, 7.5 on FanDuel. And I looked up this weird, quirky stat. So would you say, Betts, that the Giants were good with Joe Judge two years ago? I would say the exact opposite, Kyle. <laughs> you would say that Joe Judge should not have a job right now. Maybe he's on LinkedIn. I actually don't know what Joe Judge is doing. I have no idea. That's a fun um, opportunity for someone that's listening to the show. Go find out what Judge, Joe Judge is doing in his professional life and uh, and let us know. Yeah, I'm sure he's a family man, whatever, but you know, I don't, I don't know. Would you say that with Brian Dable last year, they were a good team? Maybe not great, but like they were a good team. I think they were solid. I wouldn't say that they were good. I think they took advantage of their schedule. They played to the strengths of Daniel Jones, and they got there. I don't think they, they were won, a great team by any means. They won some ugly games, to be honest. But the Giants, despite two different coaching staff, two years in a row scored the fewest first-quarter points in the NFL. Like, they got off two bad starts in both games, and yet their win totals and everything else were completely different. This team, I think, was really lucky last year in a lot of ways, too. Thinking of how their skill position players outside of Saquon were just gross. So it kind of depends on what you think of Darren Waller and what you think of at least getting something above replacement from some wide receiver. I mean, they didn't get anything. I guess Isaiah Hodgins was just off the scrap heap, and he did fine. So the fact that on Fandles at 7.5 and, and DraftKings at 8.5 says, I think eight or fewer wins is the right call here. I think you can play the under. I, I usually talk about not wanting to lay that much juice, but like you said, that the offensive environment last year, they thrived in because of Brian Dayball. And I think that there's a lot of talk about the additions they made, but they're not game-changing type of players. And now the schedule is tougher because of the success they had last year. I think we really saw them get exposed in the playoffs, and they lost to, or they, or they barely beat, excuse me, a bad Vikings team and then just got obliterated by the Eagles. So, this is not a 10-win or 11-win team, in my opinion, so I think the the best path to go for this one is under. The Commanders are at 6.5. They were at a point where they're at 7.5, and, and I think it's bet to the right place. I will be rooting for Sam Howell, but this is a team that I don't really have any business betting. I don't want to bet them. I bet them last year to hit the over, and I barely got there, but I, I'm uh, I'm just not a fan. Yeah, and one thing that I was thinking about this team is I wanted to come in and talk about the under, but then I realized they have one of the best net rest advantages in the NFL. And Jacoby Brissett, for all of the um, uh, talk that was out there last year about him from a negative standpoint entering the year, hats off to the dude. He played so well, and I feel like now like we kind of know at least they have something competent behind Sam Howell if it doesn't work out which adds a little bit more stability to the quarterback position. So I agree with you. I, I want to play the under, but because of the rest and a little bit more stability there in the backup position, I think I would stay away from it. All right, NFC North, the Vikings ran away with this division last year. They went 13-4. and four. This year, the books did a really good job. They're only at 8.5, the Lions at 9.5, and, and the Packers and Bears both at 7.5. So it's a pretty tight division historically that the Packers have just dominated and the Lions have not. I will say that as a fact. But the Lions are the favorite in this division. And Lions fans, listen up. You know, you guys that are still out there, that's cool. But you haven't been in this position in a while. And I lean the under. Call me out. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, last year they were a team that was, 
for everyone not named Kyle, it was easy to buy into them for some obvious reasons. But I don't want to overreact to what Jared Goff did last year and, and think we're just going to plug and play the same scenario. The nice thing that about them is that they do have a, a the 11th easiest strength of schedule. They bring back their offensive coordinator, who was awesome last year. They've got a good offensive line. They went out and added pieces on defense. But I'm just not sure that this is a 10, 11, 12 type of team. So it's a very thin margin to go over. I would go uh, no play on this one. I bet them to win the division weeks ago at like plus 160. And then they went out and took a running back 12th overall and a linebacker 18th (laughs) overall. And I hate myself now. And I I think the market is too in on the Lions that I would look to be fading them at this point. But I'm already kind of in for the division. So I guess I'll just ride it out at this point. Yeah, for the Lions winning that last game, I get that beating the Packers was like a great confidence boost, but it boosted them to being a second-place schedule, which has a home game against Seattle and road game against the Ravens and Cowboys. So those were playoff teams last year. Uh, They have some tough road games at Kansas City, at the Chargers. That's not too easy. I think their home schedule sets up pretty nice. Like, I think if they went, man... Like, when you look at their home schedule, they have winnable games against the Falcons, Panthers, Broncos, Raiders. Like, they need to they need to go 3-1 and one in those games. And then in division, I think it's going to be a lot tougher than people think. Uh, and the road schedule is tough. So I lean the under. And I, know, I understand that I'm being a little bit of a jerk here. But Jared Goff ran super hot last year. He was number one in the NFL in percentage of pass attempts that went for a first down. I think that's really hard to repeat year over year unless your name's Patrick Mahomes. They were really hot inside the red zone last year too. So those things are not as sticky year to year as people think. Like, oh, we're just going to, our offensive line is going to do the same thing. And I think outside of Detroit, like Jared Goff is maybe not even a replacement level quarterback. Is that is that too harsh? I think that's too harsh. I think he's, Good enough to stick around, and we're seeing that, you know, year after year. I'm. This is a a tricky conversation because I think oftentimes we want to be careful not to tie to our priors too much year after year. Yes. But also, last year, everyone and their mother was saying Jared Goff's a bridge quarterback. He's there for one year. They're not gonna. He's not gonna be there long term. And all of a sudden, now everyone's like, "Oh, Jared Goff's gonna win the division. Jared Goff's incredible." It just feels like a bit of an overreaction, and it feels like there's more fragility here than I think the market is baking in. Yes. That, okay. That's a bet, maybe a better way of saying it. And I want to pierce through like some of my negativity. Like I think there's more fragility than this team has already arrived. They still haven't made the playoffs. So would you rather have Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins as your quarterback in 2023? Oh, Kirk Cousins. Okay. I think that conversation is a lot different depending on the fan bases. Like I think, I think people would think about it differently. Speaking of Vikings, the eight and a half. This is a stay away from me. Their win expectation last year, so 13 wins, their win expectation was 8.4. So pretty wild outlier year when you look at one-score games. We've talked about that statistic a lot. But I, I think this is a good line. I don't mind if you want to bet them betting division. We'll talk about that next week. They have 12 games that are within a field goal, and they're only favored in nine, which kind of shocked me. Like The Lions are favored in 12 of their games. That felt like a little like too quick to the draw. But I think the market's right on the Vikings. Yeah, it seems right. The, the line seems right. I think the under is okay at, at plus money, just given the fact that they overperformed so much last year. I mean, 13-4, and four, and their win expectation was 8 wins, 8.4 wins. That's a massive regression signal. So uh, it is a good line, but I think if you're getting plus money, I'm okay with the under. 
Yeah. Uh, quick question. Do you think that any of these teams could win the division? Oh, easy. This is this division I don't have a great feel for. Okay. I wanted to see if I was a little little crazy because I've looked in the markets for all of them. We'll talk about it next week. But, man, I like I, I, I could see somebody place money on the Packers. I kind of like their over at 7.5. Like, I think that's that's where I big lean. Big Jordan Love guy, huh? I don't I'm not a big Jordan Love guy to oh. be honest. Like his rookie profile, I had a lot of questions when uh Utah State when I wrote that a couple years ago. Chicago at seven and a half. I mean, they were a three win team last year, but when expectation wise, they were five point two. So I think that's really fine. And then their schedule and their rest is awesome. They don't play a single game with a rest disadvantage. Like, how does the NFL do that and then give the 49ers the worst in the league? That's just I don't bonk. Know bonkers maybe they that's one thing they haven't figured out yet uh so the bears i think it's a good line too I, I'm, I'm staying away yeah if this was like six and a half i feel like i'd easily want to be in on the over um seven and a half with minus 130 on 135 feels iffy but also like you mentioned everything just lines up really well for that to be the case with the rest advantage and the fourth place schedule I looked at the Cardinals game, by the way. I thought maybe it was early in the season where Kyler might not be back yet. It's it's a later in the year, so we'll see on that. But still, it's hard to, to write up a better scenario for the Bills from a schedule standpoint. Let's go to the NFC South. The Saints look like the best team to me in this division. They're at 9.5. The Falcons were bet up from 7.5 to 8.5. Panthers at 7.5. The Bucks at 6.5. Our strongest stance was taking the under the Panthers, and the market really hasn't corrected yet. I guess the people, we're not loud enough for the people. So the Panthers, you can get their under right now at plus 115 at 7.5. So is there yeah, something buddy. is there something <laughs> I'm not seeing here? I don't understand it either. We, we gave this out at, at even money, and it's moved against us. So that's always a little um, uneasy, I think. When that happens, but at the same time, nothing really has changed for me that makes me think, and again, and again, I'm betting on every book, Kyle. Um, I, I don't understand really why it's been that the, the case. We talked about the trend for rookie quarterbacks. They almost always are right at or under their win total. I mean, you think about weapons, like Adam Thielen, they overpaid for him, in my opinion, at this point of his career. The numbers will tell you his efficiency metrics are dropping off like crazy. Jay Chark is coming off another injury plague season. You know, I, I don't know. I really don't know where they can get there. The offensive line is good. They have some good pieces on defense, but it's going to take a lot more than that to get to eight wins, in my opinion. So especially at these odds where you're saying it has to hit less than 50% of the time for it to be a good bet, I think it's a great bet. The ghost of Terrace Marshall and Tommy Trimble will not be able to help either, just to let people know about their skill position. It's just not great. Second place games against the Cowboys at home, the Dolphins on the road, the Seahawks on the road. Like, there are teams that have second-place schedules that are playing teams that were playoff-caliber teams last year. I'm not saying all of them will, but like we would say Cowboys, Dolphins, Seahawks are in a different tier of team compared to the Panthers, and yet that's who they have to play because this division was so bad last year. So we like the Panthers under. The Falcons have a fourth-place schedule, and 14 of their games are within a three-point spread. Welcome to being a Falcons fan. Like I mentioned, the Falcons and the Chargers, my two favorite teams, and they're just stress your life out. Forever. Vikings fans feel the same way. It's just always stressful. And the Falcons get zero games with rest edge. So I would bet the under right now at eight and a half. I don't mind them winning the division if you think something happens to the Saints. But 
when it moved from seven and a half to eight, eight and a half, I will bet the under on the Falcons and I guess sleep at night that the Falcons, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they win. Like it's just, that, that's my only happiness hedge, right? I guess so. Yeah. The seven and a half felt like a good over the eight and a half feels like a good under, which tells you that the market for this feels pretty efficient already. Um, but I agree with you. It wouldn't be surprising to see them come in and win the division. I mean, they're only a win, uh, a game behind the saints and win total yet. These two teams are head and shoulders above everyone else. When you talk about strength of schedule. So if Desmond Ritter catches the right side of variance, if, he, if he's better than people think, if they just run the ball and they're really effective, like they were last year, like they can win nine games and get over this, but it's not something that I'll be playing personally. I like the Saints over. It's at nine and a half. The over's plus 105. They have the easiest schedule according to Warren Sharp. A third place schedule. Games at home against the Giants. On the road against the Patriots, who we're poo-pooing on. And the Rams, who we'll poo-poo on in just a second. So, uh, they play it, you know, AFC South in division. I just think the Saints look like the class of the division. They have a really good schedule. And I just kind of I lean there over. It makes sense, but also like predicting this team to win ten games also feels scary, don't you think? Like yes, I, yes, I understand the path, the path for it, but I I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'd rather just stay away from this one. I, there's no chance that any of these teams can get out of the first round of the playoffs. Like I, I wouldn't say there's no chance. Like if the Saints, so get the, fine. Aside from the Saints, can anybody else? win a first round game i don't think so okay so unless they have like the saints could win this division let's say they win this division at 10 and 7 or you know 9 and 8 it's kind of like basically what you know what it was last year they're gonna be facing a wild card team that's probably better than them yeah probably (laughs) i mean it'll be at home so maybe it's a little different but so i like they're over if i had to lean a direction okay that's fair especially if you're getting uh plus 105 yeah and the bucks Oh, baby. Six and a half. This, it's at 130 on the under. And man, when you look at their schedule and you look at who they place in first place games, Eagles at home, Bills and 49ers on the road, who knows what they are? Like, I have no idea to project what the Bucks are for DFS, for, for so many different things. So I'm just going to lean on the under and just, it tanks. I love the under. It's one of my favorite plays of the entire season. Wow. Because when you look at this team last year with Tom Brady, they had the first place schedule because of that. Now they're being punished where it's like, good luck. Here's your first place games. Um, they're tough. The Eagles, the Bills, and the Niners are your first place games. Best of luck to you. Two of those are on the road. This is the eighth worst team in rest advantage this year, a.k.a. like when you're looking at teams who have a disadvantage, they have the eighth worst in that, uh, that factor. They're favored in one game all year. They lost two starting offensive linemen. They're... Defense is super, super thin as far as their starting caliber type of guys. And really, it comes down to fading the combination of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Last year, among 46 quarterbacks who played 125 snaps or more, he was 46th in completion percentage over expected, 45th in success rate, 43rd in EPA. And not like the commanders, you don't have a nice backstop behind him. Like, we don't know what Kyle Trask is. This The bottom could fall out so quickly on this team that when you look at how they start the year too, when you look at like the opening, you know, few weeks, like they could be in a position where they're sellers at the deadline instead of buyers, because you look at how they start the season. There's not a lot of winnable games. Like the Vikings aren't an easy game. The bears could be better than last year. The Eagles looks like a loss. The saints looks like probably a loss. 
The Lions are a good team. The Falcons, they can lose that game. Then they have the Bills. Those That's the weeks one through eight. It could be a rough start. So I, under on this team is, is one of my favorite plays. You can get this on FanDuel at minus 128. That's the best odds I could find. Let's finish it out with the NFC West. We got to finish the drill here. And you and I have had some pretty strong takes on this division over the years. Earlier, the 49ers were at 11 and a half, and you were like, hey, this is a crazy line. It's moved to 10 and a half. Okay, so it's a, it's kind of hard for me to give firm advice, especially on FanDuel was in 11 and a half. It's in a couple of different ways, but yeah, I don't mind, you know, I don't even mind the under 10 and a half at plus 100. They have an easy schedule, but they have the worst net rest differential almost ever, right? It, Warren Sharp looked back like it's really bad, minus 20. So there's a lot that has to go right. We're betting on a quarterback. I guess Kyle Shannon doesn't need, you know, one, but we're betting on their quarterback situation to be good and to, to be figured out. So that's just a lot to, to lay. That's why we like the under. Do you have any takes when it's at 10 and a half? I still think under is probably the right play. You know, obviously we, we loved it better when we gave it at it uh, minus 130 to the under at 11 and a half. But you look at, you know, the situation and yeah, they're, the roster is loaded top to bottom. There's no doubt about that. But Brock Purdy's coming off major elbow surgery. Trey Lance maybe is on the roster, maybe not. Sam Darnold might be starting games. And I feel like there's all of a sudden this narrative like, oh, you just drop any quarterback in here and it's going to work. Maybe that's the case because of what we've seen. But also, I've seen Sam Darnold play a lot of football, man, and it's not good. So fading that narrative to me feels good. And when you look at the rest disadvantage, you mentioned it's bad. It's historically bad. This is the worst Warren Sharp has been putting this out for years. It's the worst he's ever seen. It feels like a very, very good spot to go under, especially when you consider they had no resources in the NFL draft to add backup talent to this roster. So uh, yeah, under is, is one of my favorite plays that we had earlier this year and for reference where the market was valuing this team you know 11 and a half there were only three teams when we gave that out that had that total it was the Chiefs the Bengals and the Niners Uh, the quarterback play matters so much and you don't have Joe Burrow or Pat Mahomes on your team so under to me was the play then under to me is still the play right now it feels scary to bet an under on a team that's favored in 16 of their 17 games but this team is a little bit more volatile than people think like the offensive weapons and then the historic defense is like what we usually think about, but D'Amico Ryans isn't there. There's just a lot more question marks with this team. So, um, yeah, I, I, I still like the under. The Seahawks are a team that you liked for a while in the division. I think those odds have changed in the favor. So I think we'll talk more about the Seahawks next week. I lean yep. they're over on eight and a half. The Rams, when it was at seven and a half, we gave this out as another like, hey, why is this line at seven and a half? And it's moved to six and a half. So, I don't mind that their schedule sets up where six, seven wins is possible. Third place games against the saints on the road against the Colts and the Packers. It's not a gauntlet, but there's so much that has to go right for this team and for Matthew Stafford and whoever it is outside of Cooper cup. So I, I lean still the under on the Rams. I do too. Yeah. And we gave it out seven and a half. That was probably my favorite play of the entire offseason so far, just because this team is insanely fragile with with what the depth chart is because of the fact that a couple years ago they mortgaged their future to win the Super Bowl, which it worked, so that was was good. But now they're paying for it, right? And Matthew Stafford contemplated retirement this offseason. Apparently there were reports that his elbow was worse than people thought last year. He also had a very serious neck issue. So like, if things go wrong for him, 
maybe he hangs it up or, or you know, his bench sooner than later just because of the fact that longevity matters for this guy after the NFL. And behind Cooper Cup, they have absolutely no one. I mean, it's bad. Ben Skoranek and, you know, uh, Van Jefferson's of the world and, and guys like that. Like Puka Nakua. This, this team is so thin that if one injury happens, they're done. So, yeah, for me, under is absolutely the play. The Cardinals were banging the table. This is the one thing that I want to make sure that people get this past year under. We took their under last year. It was at nine and a half. This year, it moved from five and a half down to four and a half. And I kind of like the over right now. I think that's almost a bit of a reaction, but I need to know Kyler's recovery history and where it's at. And I don't know that answer. We don't yet, unfortunately. I think projecting him to play somewhere around 10 ish games probably is around like a safe bet upwards of maybe 12 but like if this team starts off you know one in four one in five or whatever like do they just say you know what it's not worth it we'll just kind of wait till next year so this team is incentivized to lose because they do have their own draft pick because they do have resources for next year so it's the over is scary the under is scary I I don't want to bet this one yeah I'm probably going to stay away um, a little too close to it to being here in Arizona. Jason bet the over when it got to four and a half. And I, I like I said, I, I think that's just a really low line historically, but there's a lot of ways where this game or this team just goes south. They have a new GM too. So it's like he doesn't have the same ties. Like he can play however he wants to play the game. So that's going to do it for us. 75 minutes of us talking win totals, which is all you need for your weekend just to get ready to go. Hey, what did they say? You can go back. We'll put some of this out in article form. We'll give some of our official plays so that we look really, really smart at the end of the year. That's the goal. That's what we're doing. And next week, we'll talk divisional award winners, and we'll talk uh, players who's going to win some award stuff. So, uh, bets. Tell the people bye. Bye. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, This is a fun episode. I love talking win totals. Hopefully, you found value in this and you enjoyed the podcast. We're back next week, like Kyle said, for more betting talk. Get in some best ball drafts this weekend. Enjoy, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.